Welcome to episode 94 of the GameBots podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I watched the documentary Roll Red Roll. Christian watched the movie The Impossible, and Christian's going to briefly talk about the short story he's reading, Don Shard. But first, Christian, we watched a documentary this week that has been on my list, or I guess it's been on like my backlog of wanting to watch for, I, I don't know, a couple months now. Once I, once I saw it was on Netflix, it's called Roll Red Roll, and it's about this rape case that happened in Steubenville, Ohio back in 2012. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious before we get into it, had you heard about this when it was going on? I had not, and I don't live all that far away from Steubenville, so I was surprised that this went under my radar. Right, so the the big thing about the Steubenville case and why it started getting national attention and why I, what first garnered my attention about it was that Anonymous was involved, but what's uh, I what I find fascinating about it is I grew up basically 30 minutes away from Steubenville. Uh, I played soccer against their high school, like, you know, I'm from that area, the Ohio Valley. So I really wanted to watch this because I had heard so many uh, unflattering things said about the people of Steubenville. And this document <laughs> really, really highlights some of the problems <laughs> with dying Rust Belt towns, I think, uh, about like the insularity and and all that stuff uh, when things like this nature come out and it divides divides the the town like it did and then it started making me think of my own like high school experiences and I, I really do want to go dive into this because I, I think it might be a, I don't know if it's a problem nationwide but at least for that area I, I think it is to a certain extent a problem mm-hmm. I mean they certainly <laughs> highlighted a lot of problems in this documentary yeah so this was directed by Nancy Schwartzman, who I, I didn't recognize anything else she has done. And then it features a blogger named Alexandra Goddard, who she's featured pretty heavily in it. She's the one who's more or less credited with bringing a lot of national attention to this through her blog by basically just reposting tweets and Facebook posts and, and images that the people involved in this had put on social media, which is, I mean, that's a, I'm not going to lie, like when I was in high school and into college, like a lot was posted on social media before people learned about privacy and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, you can definitely tell, I think people have wised up on that front, I guess, of not putting that much personal inf- information out there, but almost everything in this case, uh, not almost everything, but a good portion of this case was elicited through posts on social media. <laughs> that is definitely how they got all the traction on it. Like that's how it, it started to actually actually garner attention was just these kids put they put all their crimes out there just in plain sight yes so some background on what we're even talking about so steubenville ohio is located in the ohio valley it's along the um it's like if you're looking at a map it is literally the edge the eastern edge of ohio and right across the border is West Virginia, and it's about, I want to say, 30 to 50 miles away from Pittsburgh. I'm not too sure spatially where it is, but it's within an hour drive of Pittsburgh. So that's roughly geographically where we're talking about. It's a smaller town. It has 18,000 residents, and they are in uh, 5A football division. And I will say, growing up in that area, the one thing you always knew about Steubenville is they basically had the best football team in the area. 
I I went back and looked at their rankings. They were like Ohio is a really good football state, and so they were at one point ranked third in Ohio, in Ohio which is really really good. Uh, their mm-hmm. worst record occurred when all of the rape allegations or not even allegations when this rape case came up and then generally speaking for the past 15 years they've ranked somewhere in the 30s and 50s in ohio which is pretty solid for a high school that has 600 kids yeah so that's the background of the area we're talking about very big football town um so what ended up happening was and what the entire subject of this documentary is these football players were at a party and basically some girl had drank in too much, became unconscious, blacked out, whatever. There's some varying disputes of how, you know, how if she was moving or not. But regardless, she clearly had was in no mind to make any decisions. And then uh, lots of social media posts about her being drunk and these guys raping her had come about and then uh, people started looking into it. So that's, that's sort of the background. We'll get into the more of the specifics as they go on or as we go through this. Yeah. And it, it isn't just so much about the allegations and the, the convictions and, and everything so much as it is about, or, or at least it, it paints a picture of the town's reaction to it. Yeah. As appalling as, what these people did, the town's reaction to this victim, which this isn't even a, I, I, I would argue that this is not even a he said, she said, because you had people at the party being like, oh no, she is blacked out. You, there's a picture of two people clearly like holding her to one person holding her to her feet and the other person holding her arms. She's clearly passed out. And the town tried to make it into a he said, she said, and then they kept backpedaling and all these things. Like it was a ridiculous amount of victim blaming on this and wanting to protect these fine young men. And I'm putting that in air quotes. (laughs) And, and from basically everyone, like it was, this was hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. Like this, it was almost every single person they interviewed gave some approximation of, well, I'm not saying what they did was right, but you, she put herself in that situation, and, and I just was just beating my head off a wall last night watching this. Everyone qualified their answer. Every single person. Ridiculous. The with, one with guy the, goes, sorry. I was just going to say, with the exception of, of the blogger and like the investigative journalist that actually got involved, every and the... the that Lo- woman locally, I would say locally, almost everyone yeah, <laughs> qualified was... their answers that they they got on camera. Unbelievable. The one guy goes, "Look, uh, I have put the quote. He's he's not condoning rape, but back in his day, if this happened, you just got suspended from school." Like comments like that, which I'm not surprised. Growing up in that area, Christian, like I, I really am not surprised people say that. It's disheartening to hear, but. Growing up, you know, like rape wasn't, it's not necessarily about rape, but like with a lot of things, like everything always had a qualified answer where it's like, well, I don't agree with this, but everything, mm-hmm. which is just the type of area it is. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, I could totally see that. I'm the, the area is not very dissimilar from the area that this right. took place in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've told you before, our two hometowns are weirdly <laughs> similar to each other. Um, it's just like, and even like the DJ reporting on, the radio 
DJ reporting on it. You know, he's throwing out conspiracy theories out there. He's like, well, it's a lot easier to say you were raped than to say that you had sex with three guys when you have to go home and tell your parents. It's one of those things where it's like, number one, I I don't think it should be, but to some extent, I think it would be different if these were adults. This girl was 16 mm-hmm. and everyone had opinions on this. And these kids were, I think, 17 or 18. Like, I don't know. Just the way that all these people reacted to a child getting raped is just was despicable. And because I, I wasn't in the area when all this was happening, that's why I wasn't really paying attention to the news until it started getting national uh, headline. Like their reactions to her are just ridiculous. It's true. That, that's And that's why I say that it was literally hard to watch just just watching these people try to make excuse after excuse after excuse for these kids and it's it's like well what uh like i saw the one kid had texted like this is gonna ruin my life and it's like yeah well what do you think she feels right just the selfishness of it i mean if you just look they they turned their ire from well who knows how much they turned it from this girl but then they started blaming the blogger and Mm -hmm. sued her for defamation of character under the under the guys that she posted our li- <laughs> the tweets we literally made public. <laughs> and then they're like, this is defamation. It's like, you did it to yourself, dude. Like, you can't blame someone else for your own idiocy. Like, if you're going to commit a crime, at least don't make it public <laughs> and then sue someone for reporting on it. It's true. I mean, the, the internet has changed by leaps and bounds, even just in the past several years, let alone in the past, like, whatever this was, eight or nine. And uh, like, I recently just happened upon a friend of mine's old Twitter and he hasn't used it since like 2014. And it's just such a, a dramatically different tone of the things that he was tweeting in 2014 than the things that get tweeted now. And I, yeah, back, back at the beginning of Twitter when it was just kind of a free for all in 2012, where it was, you know, I'm just going to go post like stream of consciousness. I'm, I'm honestly not at all surprised that something like this happened. Yeah, I mean, I, in to to an extent, I I do feel like kids are not post like they use different apps now than I think Twitter and Facebook. But at the time, like I posted stuff on Facebook where I'm like, why did I do that? Of course, it wasn't to the level that these guys were doing. <laughs> and like I went through and like I ended up just deleting my Facebook because I hate it as a <laughs> as a rule. But I don't like social media is insane. But just having a non being anonymous online and even if you aren't people just say stuff it's just insane mm-hmm. what they're saying to these people who were reporting on the facts of a crime uh the, and i guess we should touch on it because i i didn't make it i did not explicitly say this the whole undertone of this is the city was basically covering for these students because they are football players because football is such a big thing in steubenville mm-hmm. um especially when they bring in the coach and mm-hmm. I actually, and this, I could not find this stuff because I remember reading this back in 2012, 2013, whenever it was going on. And I swear Anonymous had released more stuff about the coach or I had read more things about him, but they did not report on it in the documentary. So I'm wondering if that was, what I had read was actually about like the the superintendent or something like that. But the coach mm-hmm. in this basically was like no i made a judgment call uh they're they're good they didn't do anything which number one is insane on its face (laughs) well they even kind of dive into that a little bit in in there they show like an interview 
I don't know if it was local news or if it was national news where somebody's asking the superintendent why was the disciplinary action relegated to the football coach? Why didn't you or the principal or the vice principal or literally anyone in the hierarchy of command do something about this? Instead, you just told him to deal with it and he did nothing. Like, and he was like, it's our protocol. Well, and number yeah, one, we, we followed is, the rules. It's like, why is your protocol to, to give disciplinary discretion to a football coach? <laughs> what is, what is his qualifications for that? Unbelievable. And yeah, and he said, it's something that was incredibly crazy to me. I mean, I, part of me understood the logic, but that doesn't make it good logic. <laughs> Where right. he said, he said like, I was going to suspend them because they were drinking. And then I found out there was a rape allegation. And I said, I'm going to do nothing instead. You it's like, want to make it worse. That's, it's so much worse already. You got to lean into it. Like, this is crazy. To a certain extent, I do understand, like you said, I understand the logic. He's like, look, I don't want... Because he he knows these people, so regardless, he, even though he should detach himself from this because he's an educator and he's in charge of more than just these kids, but he's like, I know these people. I don't want to make the situation worse. I don't want like I don't want it to come out that this was a false rape allegation or whatever. Even though it seemed like it probably was not based on the evidence. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get him being like, I don't want to make it worse, but also at the end of the day, doing nothing is the worst decision. You don't have to suspend the kid if you're like, no, we're letting the facts get out there, but you sure should not be letting him play football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just, it was even like his justification was handled terribly. Well, even he had to come in and give a statement to the police and the police had to explain to him what consent was. Oh, I wrote that down. I couldn't believe it. Where he's like, says something and the police is like, you do know that, that is not what he's like. You do know rape is more than X, Y, and Z. And he's like, do you understand what consent is? And it's just like, oh my gosh, this guy is clearly a football coach. Like when I (laughs) going into this, like number one, I am so happy that they had not happy, but it was very informative that they had the actual interviews with these people because Mm -hmm. you saw demeanors change and stuff. Going into this, I was like, oh, that coach was covering up. I legitimately think, number one, the coach is probably pretty stupid. And then number two, he probably legitimately believed his football players didn't do it in the face of all the evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just a moron. I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that scene where he's he's given excuse after excuse after excuse. And he's like, yeah, I mean, maybe they did have sex with him. And the, the cop was like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, boy. So going on to it, like, I, I think the most revelatory was when you saw them interviewing all the various kids at these, because this, this occurred over three parties. Like the girl got really drunk at one, they went to another party and then they went to this kid's house. And I do want to touch on like what parents are like letting 15 and 16 year olds openly have parties in their house. See, this is okay. Yeah. This goes to, a problem I have just with being removed from the culture, I guess, because I watch TV shows like Riverdale, where it's just a nonstop party through high school for four straight years. And I'm like, was I just that much of like a nerd that I just didn't know any of this was going on in high school or has high school genuinely and greatly changed since I was in it? Or is this all nonsense? 
And it seems nah. like maybe it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> because so River, I, Riverdale, I, I think, is insane. But what, what was happening well, yeah. here, I actually think is pretty realistic to my experience in that area. Yeah, I just... I, I've always watched like high school dramas where it's it's just party, 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 and I'm like, ah, oh, this is all drama, and then stuff like this happens, and it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, when I was growing up, there was always like, a, you know, the grade above me, the grade below me, my grade. There's always like one or two parents who just did not care what their mm-hmm. kids did, or they openly they had the mindset of, well, if my kid's going to drink, I'm going to. I'm going to be the safe, cool parent and let them drink in my house. <laughs> so there are some pretty big parties people had. Um, also, people like kids snuck around and did parties and stuff like that, too. Uh, I mean, a couple grades above me, I remember just insanely epic stories about parties people had. And I was like, oh, my, like, I never experienced anything like that. But I, the people were telling me, like, their friends, siblings and stuff like, and I heard it from different friend groups so i was like wow that party actually did happen they weren't like making it up so <laughs> i can see these parties happening it's just like one of those things where i don't know like i've changed over time i used to be like the drinking age being 21 is stupid i still think it's kind of stupid but i also think you know a 17 year old 16 year old is not going to be drinking responsibly mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah maybe i'm just showing my my social status uh, as a <laughs> A peek behind the curtain here, like I was not a super popular dude in high school. <laughs> I, 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 I did all right. I did all right. I was just not one of the people that was going to get invited to a rager. And so maybe these were just happening all through town and I just never knew about them. But it's it's not something yeah. that I ever even really like heard about in the halls of like, oh man, we had a huge party at so-and-so's this weekend. One thing that struck me too, before we get into the actual people who I think are just terrible and what they're doing now, because it's insane, the lack of consequences that most people faced, there was like a complete abdication. uh, Is that the right word? Abdication? Oh, with, with all her friends and stuff? Yeah, so there was a complete abdication on people who knew something wrong was going on and then they didn't do anything about it. And granted... Like, number one was the first girl who they are showing, and she's like, yeah, like, some bad things were going on, but she wasn't really my friend. Like, I didn't know who she was, so I didn't stop it. I tried to, and then when there was some pushback, I just gave up, which I kind of get. You're 17 at that time, or 16, or however old they were. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you see all these other people who are like, well, I thought something bad was going on, and it's like, yeah, but then you're texting about it, so did you really think that it was that bad? Like the one guy's like, I took pictures of it to show my dad, but then didn't. Mm-hmm. Like just, I, I definitely, I definitely sympathize with that first girl because I, I do understand. Like, you, you're in a situation where you feel like something sketchy's going on, but if you don't really know the people involved, it can be hard to to judge right. completely. And so if, if if you get pushback, sometimes it's uh, like, okay, okay, but then yeah, then you get the guy that was like. Yeah, I knew exactly what was about to happen, and I got disgusted, and I went home. And I was like, that's not the right move to make in that situation. Right? It it really is not, especially because the first girl, she didn't really know the, the person. It sounds like she didn't really know the person who was raped. It sounded like they went to different schools, and they just happened to be at the same party. The other guy was on the football team with these other guys and kind of... I don't want to say he let the behavior going on because who knows if he could stop them. But at the very least, he could have reached out to some authority figure mm-hmm. and maybe the events would have been different. 
Yeah, there. It, it, I mean, you're right. It's exactly like you said. There was just a complete abdication from everybody that could have possibly stepped in and done something. Just everybody dropped the ball. Right. I mean, and then you have uh, the video of the one guy who I don't uh, think this kid was part of it. His name was Nodi, I think. Like he he didn't face any charges. He wasn't an informant, but basically he knew what was going on, and then had like because I wa- I do remember watching this when when it came out. He basically had a six minute stand up routine about rape, <laughs> and then, and then like you know it was just like ridiculous. And I think that's when um, the the blogger was posting stuff, and then that's what I think anonymous garnered a lot of attention was was basically this video of this kid being so lackadaisical and joking about a girl who was currently probably being raped at that time. Like that was just disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they never really show the actual kids involved. They, I mean, they certainly don't show the, the, the victim and uh, cause she's just referred to as Jane Doe the whole way through. And I think that's, I think she's still just an anonymous person. I'm sure not in, in the actual community at large, but, and, and they never really showed the, uh, the assaulters either, but man, I, I hated that kid. The one that, that made that video. Yeah. Well, one thing they didn't really outline in the documentary, and I am pretty sure this was going on because they sort of alluded to it in the interviews was there was some text going around and I might be confusing my cases because I remember I was also looking into a, I was working in a court when a Penn state kid had died at a frat and people were texting to mm-hmm. delete stuff. So I might, I might be conflating the two because they're very similar with, with phone messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I thought people had like been saying, delete these off your phone. Like don't, you know, trying to delete evidence um, after they realized they were getting so much attention, mm-hmm. which is why I think it was important. The one girl, the one lady, um, the blogger had screenshotted all that stuff because otherwise it might have been lost. Yeah, that was smart. Um, but so anonymous jumped in and that's, like I said, when I picked up on it, I think they were alleging that the police were corrupted on this one. And they're saying, you know, this is small town politics and the police are railroading this or not railroading, but the police are dragging their feet on this investigation. But from everything behind the scenes, it seemed like the lead investigator on this was actually taking it quite seriously. It's just police business. It, It moves slow. Like this happened in August. They reported it. And I think they, we're interviewing these kids in, you know, August, September, no, uh, October, like that, that, that seems about right to me for an investigation of a rape. Like they're not, it's not like we do this in three days, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it seemed like there was some kind of like an uproar about that, but it's like you said, from what they showed in the documentary, the, yeah, the, the lead guy was real upfront. They, they said right at the beginning, like, we were in constant contact with the prosecutor's office. And when they said there's evidence for an arrest, we made an arrest. Right. So that's why I, I will say, I think the school administrators definitely responsibility, like they were trying to cover that, like sweep this under the rug. It came out that they basically swept down, swept a rape of a 14 year old girl under the rug uh, that happened five months prior to this rape, four months mm-hmm. prior to this rape. So a lot there, but I thought the police actually did a, a relatively good job. Like they questioned who they needed to when they found out people were lying and more evidence came to light. Like they're grilling those kids pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you saw it with the one kid, Anthony, because you saw his before when the facts weren't all out there. And then after once they knew he was lying and that kid just folded <laughs> like a cheap chair. 
he's like, I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> you know, like all that stuff. It's just like, <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like, is it just these two pictures? He's like, I don't know, it might be three. We'll just say three. I don't want to get in any more trouble. Right, like they they won't it. So what was disturbed, well not with disturbing, but was annoying and I understand why it happened. I, I completely understand why they only charged two people in this. They charged Trent and I think the other kid's name was Malik. Mm-hmm. Those were the ones who actually performed the acts on the girl and the three other people, the one kid who had happened in his house and then two other guys, one took a picture and I forget what the other guy did, helped her carry her in or whatever. They didn't get charged anything, but it, it's one of those things where it does not feel like justice was actually done mm-hmm. in this situation. Because those kids, they got they got in trouble, but they only lost. They, they got they're juvenile, so they went to they had like what a year. One got a year, and the other got two years. I, I yeah, that might be right. I thought it was one year each, but you might be right. Uh, they both got one one year each for the the rape counts, but the oh, okay. got an extra year for sending those pictures out. So it was. Um, a charge for, I think, underage pornography gotcha. was added to his as well. And in the school board, it was, what, one guy resigned, one guy got fired, and everybody else was fine? Yeah, more, more or less. Um, really, though, I, I mean, at least in this community, it hasn't. It seems like it hasn't changed that much. I, I looked up some stuff, but people were at least airing that they had been sexually assaulted or raped. Like, it, that, that was hard to... Hard to watch when they're all on the courthouse steps, you know, like Mm -hmm. this happened. These guys were football players. They faced no consequences and everything like that. Really, not only was this horrible, but the entire system that uh, perpetuates and prevents change from actually happening so that this does not happen again is just it it sucks. Yeah, there's no structure for it because it's more appealing to just ignore it. Right. One thing I got to say that I was just like, they, they, they're, that just was laughable to me. Was there the defense attorney for either Malik or Trent? I don't, I don't know which one was basically, at least in the interview, perpetrating the, the idea that his defense was, well, earlier in the night, she gave her phone to Trent, which consented to him using her phone. And then he's like trying to be like, therefore, she consented to him having sex with her, <laughs> which was insane. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the job, but it's painful to watch somebody twist themselves into knots to do something like that. Yeah, it was it was not a strong defense. Like, I'm not surprised they lost <laughs> uh, that case. And I do want to talk about where they are now because both of them went on to play football again, which is of course insane. <sighs> It's like hard to find anyone. I don't even want to say likable because this isn't a documentary you're, you're watching for fun. Mm-hmm. But at least, like, so, at least I guess some hope there is one kid in there who did not seem like he was part of the party. But when the one guy was joking around, his name was Sean, was basically like, "No, this isn't funny. He's raping someone." Like you wish he would have taken another step to help. But yeah, at least one person recognized that this isn't a joke. And then, like, willingly testified. Right, like he wasn't the one who was rail- railroaded and testifying because they're like, we need you to do it or you're facing more charges. So they got immunity. <laughs> Those kids, the one kid who got immunity, his, did you notice he's like, morally, I thought I should delete that photo. And it's like, morally, I should delete this terrible photo, but morally, I'm not, I don't have to stop it from going on when it's exactly happening. ridiculous. This was outside our wheelhouse, and I'm, I'm glad we watched it just to 
for the material basically but yeah this was this was rough yeah this definitely is a tougher watch it's one of those where i think it's a tough watch for not a boring reason it's just like oh man i can't believe this happened yeah um so i'm not going to say where everyone is now but the two kids who were arrested and convicted they both went on to play football the one kid trent i think I saw somewhere that he was also accused of sexually assaulting another woman. So big surprise on that one. The other kid, Malik, his dad shot a judge in 2019 in Steubenville, but it wasn't the judge who handled his son's case. So it seemed like there were some questions there. I didn't do a deep dive into (laughs) what was going on, but he shot a judge and then was shot in retaliation for, you know, attacking a judge. And then a lot of the kids who were charged but then given immunity, uh, basically just living their their lives. I know two of them are still involved in youth sports in the Steubenville area, which regardless of legally how you want to argue about their culpability, morally, I think they're culpable. And at the very least, those people should not be the ones guiding youth in, you know, down the line. Like they are morally corrupt. Yeah, that's crazy. It completely it's insane that they are allowed around children um so before well let's let's finish this up and then i want to ask you a question uh about your experience growing up in your schools do you know how this fared on rotten tomatoes i do uh so this is actually kind of surprisingly has a 100 percent uh among critics it's got a 75 percent among the audience i think i'd probably agree with the audience on that one i would too like i wouldn't say this is the best documentary ever but i especially because i grew up in the area if you're from the ohio valley i definitely think people should check it out just to see what was going on <laughs> but i i think it's a it's an important documentary to watch if you uh i don't know like have interest in the justice system and rape and rape culture and all that stuff just how how it's perpetrated and whatnot i think i think it's a an important movie to watch for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am curious because we are from towns of relatively same sizes. Uh, I think mine has like 27,000 people and yours had 26 or 29 or whatever. Like they're, they're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I went to a private school, so it's a little bit smaller of a graduating class. Like I think we graduated 70. Did you guys graduate what? Like 200? Uh, that sounds right. One, one fifty ish somewhere in there. Fifty. Okay. So did you ever have just insane rumors swelling around that after kind of watching this and thinking about over the years, uh, what, what really made me think about it was how are these people still working around kids? (laughs) And then it made me think of my own experiences where I was like, how did these people not get arrested or (laughs) something? Did like, did you have any of that? Because if not, I I have like, you know, I'm going to put rumors here. for things that were happening uh where it's just like why were these people in schools uh i mean here and there so i don't remember anything major from when i was actually in high school uh there were there was an incident with a teacher and a student after we graduated that was not actually a rumor that was something that for sure actually happened that that swept through the community with like wildfire um Otherwise, I mean, maybe it's just I'm I'm so far removed from it now I don't remember anymore. 
This, um, this is what makes me think, like, was this just, like, where I grew up a problem? Because I have, like, four or five things. Three of them happened when I was in school, and two or three of them happened after I left. Oh, man. Basically, yeah, a 15-year period. No, nothing this egregious comes to mind, certainly. But, yeah, it's it's possible that I've just forgotten it. So I, I know in, like, the schools in my area, like, definitely it happened um, where, like, a teacher... I know because my friend was in this guy's class at the public school. Basically, a teacher had a countdown for when this girl turned 18, who was one of his students, which is creepy. Yikes. <laughs> but that definitely happened. <laughs> and Holy then I think they crap. started dating after the fact. <laughs> but when you're like hearing that at 16, you're like, that's weird. When you hear that in your, <laughs> you know, 12, whatever, over a decade removed from mm-hmm. being in high school, you're like, why is that guy a teacher? You know? <laughs> so let me go through some of the stuff that I like happened when I was in school. I, one of my teachers and I am pretty sure I don't have firsthand knowledge that this happened, but I have commentary from multiple, not commentary, but like people, girls, girls, ugh, multiple girls on our hockey team had basically told me that this happened. So it leads me to believe it's true. The teacher is always a little weird. He at one point had uh, someone accidentally opened porn on his computer that he had saved, which why would you have that on a school computer? (laughs) Didn't get in trouble for that. Uh, (laughs) So he was huge into photography and he took pictures everywhere. Uh, But people were like, oh, yeah, he would just bust into the girls locker room after hockey games and he like they're like and he would just take pictures of us at practice and everyone's like it was weird like he wouldn't knock or anything to come in there like why is he taking pictures of us so just general like creeper behavior that i have to imagine like i don't i don't think anyone complained it was like common knowledge amongst the students that this dude was a creeper though so i imagine like because i was in education for a very short while like you know when things are going on like other teachers had to have like heard comments about this Mm -hmm. right now that you bring that up, there was one teacher that apparently was mega shady, who I actually had for class once, but I mean, I was always off in my own little world and whatever this was, like 16, 17 years ago. Right. Um, but I, I'd, I've recently talked to a couple friends of mine from high school about him, and they were like, oh no, he was very weird with the girls all the time. And I was like, oh man, I did not know that. Yeah, so, so we, yeah, we didn't get a, we didn't get along for other reasons, and this just made me feel better about that. Right. <laughs> so there's another guy who was kicked out, and this was never verified, but the rumor going around that like everyone seemed to know, and I, I guess I don't know if this one is true, but I was at a private school which tended to protect people from like DUIs and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. this might have happened. Like we had an, an intern who had three DUIs. Yikes. Like, how do you keep getting rehired? Uh, <laughs> so this guy left, and the rumor of why he left was basically one of the students found a Playboy he kept in his, um, like, desk. And this was in inside the Playboy. He had basically cut out, like, high school girls from the school's pictures and put them on the models. Oh, jeez. And... Like, no one ever disputed that, so I, I can't say that that one <laughs> happened, but that was, like, a strong rumor, and I, I feel like someone said a student figured out. I never followed up, because this that happened when I was, like, in, like younger, and mm-hmm. it went on. Like, I think I was in, like, sixth or seventh grade when I heard about that one, but that was basically everyone had knew that rumor. After I left, 
there was one teacher, and I don't know the specifics on this one. I know this one definitely happened because uh, I had a friend working in the area at the time who got fired because he bought alcohol for underage students and was drinking with them. And I think they're all girls, so not nothing sexual, but still like an implication also really mm-hmm. weird. This one definitely happened because the guy got arrested for it. <laughs> there was a <laughs> security guard who was dating a 17-year-old, the started dating like a 17-year-old student. The girl's dad found out and ended up suing him or whatever, filing charges and stuff. Mm-hmm. The girl and the entire family sided with the security guard. And this isn't like a 20, like it's not one of those weird cases where it's like, oh, he's like a 25-year-old. Like this was like a mm-hmm. 50-year-old security guard. Mm-hmm. And like his entire argument is like, well, there's nothing sexual weird just dating, but he also went to jail. So I don't know. Like that's, that was weird. And then the one that, this is the one that is the biggest rumor, but also it was one that was also from another teacher that always gave me weird vibes. <laughs> uh, one teacher wa- retired and, and the rumor was he was forced from reti- into retirement because a student had come forward that he was basically trying to groom her and that he had groomed her sister successfully. Mm. Um but again, like none of this is ever reported on. It's like all kept it within the school. So it's just one of those where I don't know. Everything just feels like that seems like a lot of rumors and also real instances to happen in a roughly 15 year period. Yeah. That, at that a school a that lot. graduates, you know, 70, 80 kids a year. The Yeah. The only thing we had remotely close to any of that was the teacher who started having an affair with one of her students who was also her daughter's boyfriend. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, that was the one that we were all like, no way. (laughs) Why? But it was like, that was not a rumor. That was definite and substantiated. (laughs) Oh, man. So it's just crazy to me that somehow people stay in schools like that. I mean... Just, I know it's not directly one-to-one that was going on, but just the fact that some people should not be working around kids and they're allowed to stay there and like, mm-hmm. I, like things just don't get reported on that probably should because they want to sweep it under the rug. I totally believe schools do that. Yeah, not just not reported, but like actively stifled. Right, like they don't want to hurt the reputation of the school or whatever. So, I mean, we it happened in it, remember, Bad Education. I know it was a movie, but it was based on yeah. a real story. And it, it, it's always seemed to me that the reputation of the school would best be served by transparency. Right. Like because what, it's, it's going what to do you think is going to happen when, yeah. What do you think is going to happen when this gets discovered instead of presented? Right. So ugh. let's move on. I just wanted to go over that. Like that, that documentary just bo- like boiled my blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm right there with you. Christian, this week you watched the movie The Impossible. What is this movie about? It is about a family trying to survive the uh, 2004 Boxing Day tsunami in Indonesia. uh, Well, just the Indian Ocean at large, basically, because they were in Thailand. So is this a documentary? Is this based on a true story? Is it just, you know, uh, based, you know, real life events? Yeah, it's it's not a documentary, but it is based on a, a real family and what they went through in, in the aftermath of the tsunami. 
Okay. So I, I mean, I, I remember the tsunami happening. Um, that was like peak people having ar- arm wristbands for everything. So I remember the <laughs> tsunami wristband. Uh, <laughs> can you give a little background on the tsunami though, for people who don't? Yeah. Don't I, know. Of that. Uh, I remember the armbands. Yeah. So, um, the tsunami happened on December 24th. No, I'm sorry. The tsunami happened on December 26th, the day after Christmas in 2004 in the Indian Ocean. And it hit basically every landmass that it could possibly reach. Like it hit India, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Indonesia, uh, parts of Madagascar, parts of Africa. It was enormous. It is to this day the third largest earthquake ever recorded. Yeah, it was and it was massive devastation by the tsunami too, right? Yeah, and so it's estimated that over 225,000 people died and almost 2 million people were displaced. Uh the this movie takes place in I'm I hope I'm pronouncing this right in Kaulak, which is a a city on the coast of Thailand. And the the wave there in real life reached over a mile inland. It was like 1.2 miles inland that the water reached. Jeez. And so these people that the, the movie focuses on were at a resort basically 500 feet from the ocean when the wave hit. Man, I, I remember videos from this. Like, it's insane mm-hmm. how there, high that water was. There was no warning. Like, the there several hours passed between the earthquake itself and the arrival of the tsunami and so i guess people just kind of settled back down and went about their business and then i think to this day the indian ocean doesn't have any tsunami warning systems that's crazy i mean maybe if you only get once every how you know i don't know 100 years or right i'm curious how many tsunamis they get well it seems like that's the case the last major tsunami that the indian ocean had was after the eruption of krakatoa which i think was 1890 Right. So I guess it would make sense if you're like, well, we've never, especially because like geology is not a new field. Or I guess I don't know if earthquakes are geology, but it's not necessarily a new field. But if in the entirety of the existence of like the modern day times of that field, you never had it, I could see why countries might not put those in. Yeah. So the, the Pacific Ocean is full of early warning tsunami, like monitoring systems, but the Indian Ocean just it doesn't have them that often. And so they've never invested in it. So. We, we know the background. How was the actual movie itself on the, of, for these poor people's journey? The, the movie was good. It, uh, I'm, I'm sure it was full of dramatization from, from the actual events. There were some interesting coincidences that I can't imagine happened in real life. But uh, it stars Naomi Watts and uh, Ewan McGregor and Tom Holland, who I did not recognize for most of the movie because he is young. This came out in 2012, so this was well before his Spider-Man days. Yeah, so he's 24 now. So if this came out in 2012, he would have been, he'd been like what, 15, 16 in there. Yeah, and he looks younger. I mean, he looks young now. I would never have guessed that he was 24. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was excellent in this. I wouldn't be surprised to to go back through his IMDb and discover that this was his first movie. Everyone was really quite good in this the things that they go through are just incredible. Like the, the tsunami hits and the family gets separated. And so the main plot is kind of twofold. It's about you and McGregor trying to like find the rest of his family. And then it's about Tom Holland trying to get uh, Naomi Watts, his mother to 
like a hospital because she is all torn apart. So what, sorry, what do you mean by torn apart? Did she just get hit by debris or something? More like she hits debris. If I'm remembering the scene correctly, they're, they're trying to swim kind of with the wave, which is patently insane, but I guess they, they succeeded kind of, but she ran into like an uprooted tree and it ripped a hole in her leg. Oh man. I don't even like in that scenario, I don't even know what you could do, especially if it's going a mile inland. Like you cannot outrun that. No, I mean, that's the, it, it hits them immediately and you, they just get swept away basically because the tsunami moves fast, fast. It's right. intensely fast. Uh, and so they're trying to just kind of stay afloat with the current until they can grab something. And then, yeah, they, they're getting all beat up with all the debris and everything that's in the water. Uh, she was a doctor in the, in the movie. And I guess her, the person she's based on in real life, and so she was able to like find the wound enough to not bleed out immediately, but she definitely got like real bad sepsis because then like she does almost die at, at a certain point just from infection. So from what you're saying, the original premise is it sounds like it would be a disaster movie a la like 2012 or something, but really it sounds like this is more of a drama. It, it's exactly a drama. The tsunami happens early, and it's over relatively quickly. The rest of the movie is just about the like the human drama of trying to survive the aftermath. Gotcha. So, do were you moved by their plight? Like, was one of the stories better than the other? To a point, like knowing that this is something that actually happened to these people is was incredible, and and so. You do feel for them. It was, like I said, there there are certainly things in this that happen that I can't imagine they happened like this in real life. Like a whole bunch of people inadvertently meeting at the same place at the same time with no communication and then just all bumping into each other is crazy in a, a city that's just been completely devastated and there's people wandering every direction. Nobody knows where they're going. Uh, I I mean I'm sure that they all found each other, but it's it's uh, something else to say that it happened maybe with a concerted effort of like search and rescue rather than just oh I happen to be in the right place at the right time to watch my entire family reunite independently of each other. It was it was <laughs> kind of weird not not with the movie or anything, but I uh, I was talking to my family the other day and we apparently. Me, my dad, my mom, and my brother-in-law all watched this independently of each other on the same day. So here I here I'm bad mouthing the coincidences that happen in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're not as far fetched as, as uh, they seem at first blush. Like I, I was over there at my parents' house and my dad was like, So we watched the impossible yesterday, and I was like, so did I. That's weird because this is a 2012 movie. It's not. Did it just get released on Netflix or something? As yeah, to why Netflix this week, I think because it's okay. in it's in like the top ten in the U.S. list right now. Gotcha. Because otherwise, that would be insane. If they're like, I rented it. Yeah, very weird coincidence that three three different groups of people all happen to watch this on the same day. Yeah. Uh, so the box office on this was pretty good. Actually, it had a budget of 45 million made 198.1 million. I never have even heard of this movie. So 
that's really good. Like I, I don't remember I don't remember trailers for this at all. I sorry. I mean, I remember it, but I think mostly just because I was working when it came out, and we had uh, the manager went in and watched up a part of it, and he watched the first wave come in and the second wave come in, and then he kept calling it the movie about the two Namis. <laughs> in my head, is that's what this movie is? Is it's the two Namis? Did how, you know how this fair with critics? It did pretty well. It has an 81% with critics on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an 84 with audience. And that's honestly probably about right. I did really enjoy this movie. Uh, so would you recommend our audience check this one out? I think so. But as, as we discussed, be, be prepared for it to be a drama and not an action. This is not a natural disaster movie. Okay, Christian, I know you're excited about this one because uh, you love this series, and I believe another book in it is coming out soon. You read the, is it a short story? Yeah, it's a, it's a novella. Okay, you read the novella Don Shard. What is this, uh, what series is this part of? It's part of the Stormlight Archive, which is just um, a story on a scale that is hard to fathom. Uh, the books, the, the main story books are each over a thousand pages and there's going to be 10 of them. Uh, and so I think as kind of like a, we're going to slowly reintroduce you to this world. He's been putting out these short stories before the next book comes out as kind of a bridge between the previous one and, and the next one. Before you get into this one, I have a question, and this might I might be biased on this just because I know you read these books, and my dad does, and a couple other people I know who read this really like this is a Brandon Sanderson uh, story, right? Yeah, they really like Brandon Sanderson. I, I I guess number one, like I don't know how old he is. Is there a worry that he'll die before these finish? And number two, do you think this? Because I hear so many people talk about this so glowingly. Do you think? they're ripe for a series like uh, what happened with game of thrones like they just get a really good tv show i would love that that honestly the idea of him dying before the the stormlight archive is finished genuinely keeps me up at nights like i i'm so scared he's not that old he's he's i think 43 somewhere around there and so like barring any cataclysm we should be fine but the man can't stay focused, and so he keeps like making side projects. And I need him. I need him back working on Stormlight until it's done, and then he can go do other things. Uh, all right. Sorry. Okay. So what is what is what is uh, Don Shard about? I, I do think I would I would really enjoy a like adaptation of this, but it would have to be done right, and it would have to have like the budget of Game of Thrones. It would have to be monumental. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I don't think. Before Game of Thrones aired, if anyone was to tell me, because I read the first book, if anyone was like, this is going to be the biggest series in America, I would have been like, no way. No, it's not. Yeah, we'll see. People keep buying the movie rights, and then they just kind of expire, and somebody else will buy them, and it's it's been a mess for a couple of years, but we'll see. Gotcha. Um, okay. the, the short story itself, uh, like I said, it bridges the gaps between books three and four. Book four comes out at midnight tonight. We're recording this Monday. Um, so I'm I'm not kidding when I say I'm going to bed as soon as we finish recording this so that I can wake up at midnight and, and get the Kindle and start going. 
uh, I, I want to be done by the time I have to play D and D on Wednesday. So that gives me 40 hours. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of reading in two days. The the last, when the last one came out, it was 1300 pages and I read it in 50 hours. So we'll see if I can cut it down. But the, this is uh, largely about a, uh, an expedition. They take a ship to like a remote Island and this island's kind of been hinted around throughout the larger books, but we don't really have any details about it. And so they did get into that. Uh, they answered a few kind of inconsequential questions while simultaneously raising a ton of super important questions that then were not answered at all. So with book four of 10 just coming out now, I expect those questions to continue mounting, which is exciting, but also very frustrating. <laughs> Well, I mean, he still has six books to fill, so hopefully he answers those questions. Yeah. Uh, so who are these characters? Are they like are they side characters? Do they have a main role in the books or, or what? They are side characters. Uh, they've had some like point-of-view chapters in the larger books, but not very many. Um, and so it, it, it was an interesting chance to like dive into their their lives. Something he does really well, uh, both in these short stories and in the, the novels themselves, is create a sense of the scale of the world that you're operating in. Even though you only see a small piece of it, you get these tidbits of what's going on elsewhere, and it really helps to make the world feel real. And it was something interesting that he did with these two. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody listening has, has read these, but it's uh, the Lopen is one of the characters and Reeson is one of the characters and they are both either uh, disabled or they were disabled and recovered. Lopen regrew an arm because he's magic now. <laughs> uh, Reeson's paralyzed from, I believe, the waist down. And so a big chunk of this focuses on their getting to know each other and kind of bonding over the their disabilities and the way that the world treated them with disabilities which i was not expecting from this but uh it was really well written it was really nice uh how how long is this book or this novella i i think it was like 200 pages on my pdf and so it's 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 a real i'm it's a real short read i had knocked it out in about five hours okay uh is i guess i don't know these books well enough is there a like, is there a villain to this that they're going on, or is this just more of an expedition? Like, what is the flavor of this short story? It's a little bit adventure and a little bit mystery. There is kind of a villain. There's, like, a secret society of people that are protecting the island that they're going to. And so you got a glimpse of it in one of the uh, larger books. There's a, a previous expedition that everybody died on. It, it failed. Uh, and so this is like they're they're going to see what happened to those people, and so there is a, an order of these creatures that they look like people, but they're actually like a swarm of bugs that can arrange their body to look like a person. They're very creepy. So Christian, would you recommend our audience, I guess, read this book? If I, I guess maybe put it in two ways, would you suggest they read it if they have not read? this series before and if they have would you if they have read the series would you suggest it yeah i was gonna say it's 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 a tricky spot i would definitely say read it if you're into stormlight i feel like something happens towards the end of this that is going to end up being very important in later books 
so I, I feel like you're not going to want to miss out on uh, like an important detail that got tucked away here. If you have not read any of the Stormlight books, this is going to mean nothing to you. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Our, All right, guys. Thanks for tuning into our episode. If you'd like to reach us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter. Otherwise, you can email us. We're gambots.blog at gmail.com. We also now have a website that's gambotsnetwork.com where you can check out some of our reviews or older episodes of the podcast. If you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with our advertising. Otherwise, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.